Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders, Tuesday mornings. Today is Yud Beis Menachem of Tafshin Pei Beis. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners. The shir that you are about to hear was given two years ago at the beginning of this series, before I was on Torah Anytime. It was given on Zion Menachem of, of Tov Shin Pei, about Reb Chaim whose 80th yard site was that year on Hey Menachem of. So last week, Hey Menachem of was Reb Chaim 82nd yard site. I am now posting it today on Torah Anytime, and after the end of the shear from two years ago, I have added in an extra piece based on something that I said during the Kinois on Tisha B'av. So the shear continues after, so to speak, the end of the shear with that Haisafa. Okay, good morning everyone. <clears throat> we are continuing our series of the life and Torah of our leaders. And today we're going to talk about Reb Chaim Oizer Gezhensky's Zichroin Levracha, whose yard site was on Sunday, Hey Menachemov, his 80th yard site. Think about it, 80 years is really not that long ago. I'm sure many of us know people who are 80 years old. It's not such a long time ago. But uh, it's worlds away from the world that we live in. So to talk about Reb Chaim Oizer also... Like all the G'daylam we talk about, there's so much to say. But we'll try to give a little bit of a glimpse, a picture, into who he was. We really have to start with his grandfather. And his grandfather's name was Reb Moshe Aryeleib Grzhensky, who was known as the young Ilui from Navardik. He was born in Navardik, and he was a young, known as the young Ilui. At a young age, he became a Rav in a city called Aishashik, was a Litvisha city. Right now, it's actually on the border between Lithuania and Belarus, on the Lithuanian side, almost uh, right across the border from Radin, very, very close. And um, a lot of G'daylam from Aishashik was Mephorsim as a, as a, uh, a city of Lomdim, of people, Tamidich Achamim. And uh, at a young age, he was a Rav in this city in Aishashik. Um... For 20 years, him and his wife were not blessed with children. And after 20 years, they decided they're going to get divorced in order that they should be able to um, marry other people and perhaps have children. Um, before they actually, from their decision, till they actually, dis- actually were going to get divorced, he became the rov of a city called Ivia. Ivia is a city which is in today Belarus. Um, it's about an hour and a half west of Minsk, um, hour and a half by car. And he became a rub of the city of Ivia. And they decided since the concept of Shinui Mokoim is Mishana Mazel, you change your place, your Mazel changes, they said even though we've decided to get divorced, let's wait. Let's wait another three years, and we'll see if we have children in these three years, then we'll see Shinui Mokoim helped us. So after three years, they still didn't have children, so they went, there was a tzaddik, the Ramosha Ivir he was called, the Ramosha from Ivya. And uh, 
he was, this is, we're talking about, he lived in the times of the Vilna Gain. he was, it's, it's in the, one of the, uh, I think of the uh, Igres of the Achiezer, it writes about him, he was a Gain b'tayra u'mekubal gadol uh, v'nistar. He was a Gain in Tyra, he was a Mekubal, he was also a very hidden person, nistar me'amaynam, he was hidden from the people. So they went to him, you know, this is it, it's 23 years, now they're getting divorced, so they went for an Eitzah. So he told them, listen, he says, listen, he gave them a bracha, and he gave them an Eitzah to wait one more year. And in that year, they had a son named David Shlaimai, and in fact, they, uh, after that, they had a numerous more children. Um, and they were so excited that in this place, Ivya, their mazel changed, that they said they decided they're not going to leave the place. They're not going to leave Ivya. Meaning, even though he was offered Rabbonison in other places, however, they felt that the Mokom is Mesugal for them, and they're not going to leave. And he was Taka the Rav there for 26 years in the city of Ivya. His son, his son, as we'll talk about him in a moment, his son, Reb David Shlaimai, also felt that he also was going to remain in the city of Ivya, because this was a place, Mesugo, for Bracha, for the family, and he was a Rav for 46 years in the city of Ivya. So you already have 46 and 26 is, um, is 72 years between the two of them, Rav and Ivya. Um, and again, Reb David Shlaim was also offered Rabbonism in big cities, and they, he felt Atzkiburav, he's staying in the city. In fact, Reb Chaim Oizer, who was Reb David Shlaim's son, one of his sons, as we'll see in a moment, Chaim Oizer, in a letter that he wrote um, to aid the inhabitants of Ivya, um, I forgot exactly what occurred, that they needed help, he says that he feels bad that he couldn't continue the minog of his family. In fact, his brother-in-law was the third rav of Ivy on the family, a son-in-law of Rav David Shlaimai, and he writes, My family has been Rabbonim in Ivya almost a hundred years. So we had 72 between his father and his grandfather, so you're talking about another 20-some of his brother-in-law, and he writes that, I wish I could have kept up that minuk. So this was a very important part of their family history to be in the city of Ivya. Reb Moshe Aryeh was Nifter Erev Yom Kippur, 1858, Tafre Shudches. Erev Yom Kippur. Now there's a Gemara in Ksubis that says that someone who's Nifter on Erev Yom Kippur, Simen Raloi, it's not a good Simen. After he was Nifter, they found in his Gemara, in Ksubis Kuf Gimel, it was written in on the side the following. And he wrote, he said, this is only referring to someone who made all the preparations to, for Yom Kippur, and was ready to go into the Yom HaKadosh prepared, and Hashem didn't allow him by making him pass away, that's a Simen Ra. But someone who's Nifter earlier in the day, someone who's Nifter earlier in the day, who didn't make those preparations, then Erev Yom Kippur is like any other day, and uh, it's not a Simen Ra. And Kachava, that's how it was with him himself. He was nifter earlier in the day on Erev Yom Kippur. And it was a pella to them that they found this written in his Gemara, on that Gemara, that uh, it's not a simen ra to be nifter Erev Yom Kippur if it's earlier in the day. So we said his son who was born after all those years of marriage, his oldest son was Rav David Shlaimei. Rav David Shlaimei learned by Rabbi Yisrael Salanter together, with the altar from Kelm, Rabbi Zilpeterberger, Rabbi Amsterdam. 
he was a Goyin, he was a Balmidois. Reb Chaim Oizer quotes Reb David Shlaima, his father in Achiezer, in, in Yeridea Simintas, about Bittel Isur Lichatchila, and other places as well. I think in, the, in Achiezer, Chelek Dalid, they have Ha'aris from Reb David Shlaima and the Naida Yehuda and some other Svarim as well. They have Ha'aris um, from him. So he again, like we said, he was the Rav in Ivya for 46 years, and he was Nifter in Tafresh Samachdalid in 1904. His son-in-law, as we said, um, was his Mimali Mokam in Ivya. He had five sons, Reb David Shleim, and four daughters, and the third son was Reb Chaim Eizer Grzhansky. Reb Chaim Eizer was born in the year 1863 in Elul, and uh, he was a child prodigy. And he was known as the Ilui from Ivia, um, and uh, he, he was well known. In, uh, he probably learned by his father when he was young, and when he was 12 years old, he traveled to Aishashik, where, like we said, his grandfather had originally been Rav. Over there, there was a group of Talmid Chachamim and uh, Yungalite who were much older than him. And yet, at the same time, he joined them and it didn't take very long where they were already being mechabed him and he stood out amongst them. Um, he had an unbelievable memory. He had an unbelievable grasp on things, immediate grasp on things. Um, his memory, he never forgot anything. He said, till he got old, he didn't even know what the word forgetting means. He didn't know what it means to forget something. He saw it once, he remembered it. He became Bar Mitzvah while he was in this uh, Kvutza and Aishashik, and the, uh, the young Galite over there wanted him to say a drashak, a minik, say a pilpul, say a, a drashak. Can you imagine what he's going to say? So he says, I have a better idea. He says, I want you to pick, and you could keep on doing this. Any of you pick any page in Ksais HaChayshin or Nesivas HaMishpat, and you pick the page, and I'll, read, and I'll by memory say over the page to you. And they kept on doing this, went on and on, and it was as much as they appreciated who Reb Chaim Meiser was, this was something else, that he knew pages and pages of Ksais HaChoshen and Nesivas HaMishbat by heart and was able to, um, to, uh, to, 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 to say it over to them. From after Aishashik, he went to Velazhin. At that time, Reb Chaim Salavechik, Reb Chaim Brisker, was a, one of the, the uh, Rosh Hashivas and Magid Shir in Velazhin. He was from the younger ones at the time. And, uh, but he was already well known, and um, Reb Chaim Oizer became a Talmud of his, and very, very uh, strong Kesher that they kept through all the years. Reb Chaim was very much mechabed him later on in, his, um, in Reb Chaim Oizer's position in Klal Yisrael. Um, Reb Chaim held of him very much, and they kept very close from those years in Velazhin. Once he was in Velazhin, his name went out more into the world, and uh, people knew who he was. And one time he was passing through Vilna, and he was invited to say a drasha in the big shul in, uh, in Vilna. All of the chashuvim were there, and uh, the rabbanim, and uh, Vilna was a ir Israel, Yisrael. And uh, they were, they were nispoiled. They couldn't get over this Eloi here, um, Reb Chaim one of the Rabbonim of Vilna, one of the Dayanim of Vilna at the time, was a Yid named Rebelio Eliezer Groydnensky. And he was a son-in-law of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And um, he was Nispal from Rabbi Chaim Eizer, and he wanted him as a son-in-law. 
Now he had learned, he was, like I said, he was a son-in-law of Rabbi Sal Salanter, and as we said before, Rabbi Chaim Oiz's father, Rabbi David Shleimai, learned by Rabbi Sal Salanter. So they knew each other, they were friendly, and uh, they made the Shidduch, they made the Shidduch. There is a story I saw in a few places, um, you should just know that in the in the Hakdama Techelik Dalit of Achiezer, Reb Chaim Oizer's brother-in-law writes like a six, eight-page um, Taldus on Reb Chaim Oizer. So that's like a, a first-hand reports from his brother-in-law. Um, this, what I'm going to tell you now, I, it wasn't there. I didn't see it there, so I don't know. But Azai Zaktman, there was a Din Taira between Reb Eliezer and a different Gadol who also wanted Reb Chaim Oizer as a son-in-law. And they went to Reb Yitzchak Inspector, the Kovner of... And the Kovner Rav um, said to them, I'll tell you the truth, if I had a daughter, I would say, forget both of you, and I would take him as an Aiden for myself. Um, but supposedly, Rabbi Tzilchanan said, for whatever reason, he goes to Rabbi Leoliezer. But I saw somewhere else that he said, Rabbi Chaim Moiser really had already made up his mind he was going to marry Rabbi Leoliezer's daughter, because he knew that his father and Rabbi Leoliezer were friends. So, if that part, all the details of that part of the story, I can't tell you how you know how true they are, and and I saw a different versions, so to speak, of the Misa, But that's the Misa, they say. So he became his Adim, and he stayed in Vilna, and he was uh, learning, and he was hoping to learn by his father-in-law supporting him. But unfortunately, about two years after his chasana, his father-in-law was Nifter. Reb Chaim was twenty-three years old at the time. And he was chosen to be Mamala Mokim, his father-in-law, as a Dayan in Vilna. Again, Vilna was the Ir Mole Chachamim. The Rabbonim Gidoilim, much older, 23 years old. There's a famous Zog that some people said that, uh, that uh, you know, he's so young, how could he be a Dayan? So Reb Chaim would quip and he would say, don't worry, age is called a Mum Oiver. It's a Mum that's going to pass. Hey, wait a little bit and it'll go away. You don't have to worry. My, worry. My young age will uh, disappear shortly. It's a mum over, not such a big mum. Um, now, his father-in-law, Rabbi Leoliezer, was someone, a very trustworthy person. People used to deposit money with him. He had, um, you know, people, let's say, who had business deals and wanted to deposit by a third person. He had um, things from Yusayimim and Almonas and, and Stuckers. And he had all the Cheshbainas written down in a notebook. Um, a little bit after he was nifter, the notebook was lost, and in the in the household there was a unbelievable tumult. There was so much there, uh, so much finances there, and if it's lost, what's going to be? And Reb Chaim Oizer, who had only seen the notebook once or twice, um, said, "Don't worry, bring me a fresh notebook." And he wrote over the whole thing. Like we said, he had a uh, his memory was fantastic memory. He never forgot anything. He saw the the whole all these cheshbonis. He wrote over the entire thing for them, and whenever they found it, a little belay, they found it, they matched it up, it was mamish exact, not one mistake, Reb Chaim Oizer had written over all the cheshboinus in the notebook. Um, Reb Yitzchel was Nifter, the Kovner Rav, who was the leader of Klai Yisrael, Rabban Shel Kolbnei Agailo, in 1896. Reb Chaim Oizer at that time was 33 years old, and at that time he became, once Rav Yitzhak was Nifter, the mantle of Klai Yisrael, so to speak, was um, given over to his shoulders for the Tzibur, the, uh, the communal um, work of Klai Yisrael, the Tzibur HaKaredis, was given over to, to, uh, to Rav Chaim Oizer. Again, Rav Yitzhak was an older Rav, and, uh, but Rav Chaim Oizer was 33, but like we said, he was already Rosh, he was already Mishich Ma'ila he was already greater than, everyone recognized his greatness. His Avas HaTayra, 
Not just Avas HaTayra, Avas HaTayra for Loim De Tayra. was something Linifla, his brother-in-law writes. It was something unbelievable. And because of that, even though he was busy with lots of things, he made a Bismedrish. And he'd get a group of young uh, people, young young Bali Kishran, young people who had potential. And even though he was very busy, this was called the group of Reb Chaim Oizer, the kibbutz of Reb Chaim Oizer. And he gave time to them, he said, Shiurim, from this kvutza, from this group, many G'day Taira, for example, of Laser Silver, was one of the Talmudian, Reb Chatzka Labramski, Many G'daylim came out of this Chabura, Talmudim of Reb Chaim Oizer. He didn't have a yeshiva, but he had a kvutza there in Vilna. Um, talking about his sitkis, his tmimus, his emuna, his yerashamayim, his brother-in-law writes the following. He said, if you want to know his tmimus and emuna and yerashamayim, it's the following story. Reb Chaim Oizer had one daughter. Had one daughter. And at the age of 17, this daughter became sick. And she was nifter. After three years, at the age of 20, she was nifter. And his brother-in-law writes, We, the B'nai HaMishbacha, we, the family members, were not able to handle this tragedy. We were broken from it. He says, He was makabal the din of Shemayim Ba'ava. And he continues his brother-in-law, and this is, it's so interesting how he writes this. And he says, he says, the Chassam Seifer writes about his Rebbe, Reb Nosan Adler, Zechariah Levracha. He writes Behispailus, like he's awed. Because Reb Nosan Adler had two children. He had a son and a daughter. And his daughter was Nifter young at the age of 12. And he says, that the Chassam Soifer was so wild that his Rebbe was just Mekabel Hashem's Din Ba'ava. And the Chassam Soifer, he writes, Chayshiv Zois L'Tztaka Gedayla, an unbelievable Tztaka that his Rebbe was able to be Mekabel this Ba'ava. And he's Mafli B'Shvachad Ma'ayin and he heaps on praises. Says the says Reb Chaim Oiz's brother-in-law and he's in, in the Reb Nassim Adler had a son still that remained. He says, Reb Chaim Oizer wasn't even just a young daughter, it was already an older daughter, that instead of leading, leaving her, leading her to the chuppah, he had to lead her to the kvaris, to the Besa kvaris, and he did not leave over any children, it was his only child, and still, Omar ben Yisyonoi. So interesting how we contrast that to the Chassam Seifer, being, being, being Mali Hispailus on his Rebbe Reb Nassim Adler, and he says, we saw more than that by Reb Chaim Oizer. And in fact, in Reb Chaim Oizer's house, he actually had a big picture of his daughter hanging on the wall. And people wondered, especially as we're going to say, Reb Chaim Oizer had an open house. People were always coming in and out and to talk to him. And some people perhaps felt maybe it wasn't the most sneeze thing to have a picture of his daughter hanging, a big picture of his daughter hanging on the wall. And Reb Chaim Oizer was once Masber, and he says, you don't understand. People come to me. And they come for chizuk, and they're broken, and they have tsaris. And when they look up and they see that I had a beautiful daughter, 20 years old, who was nifter, and they remember that I also went through tragedies, it brings them a nechama from their tsaris. And he says, just like Rabbi Yochanan, who lost 10 children, and he used to take the, the bone of the tenth child around to be Menachem of a people, and he would say, this is the bone of my tenth child, the Gemara tells us. 
Why? To be Menachem people and show them, look, I also went through Tsaris and we're able to overcome our Tsaris. Reb Chaim was the same way. That's why I had a picture of his daughter on the wall. The day that his daughter was, was going to be Nifter, she was a Geisa, she was on her deathbed, Reb Chaim realized he's going to become an Avo, and he had to write response, he had to write Shuvas, people sent him letters, and he would, he would respond to them immediately. He sat down, and he wrote 80 chuvas on that day, 80 responses to letters, because he knew once he becomes an Avol, he won't be able to learn Torah, he won't be able to answer. And Reb Shner Kotler Zechrein Levracha explained Reb Chaim Oizer's Hanag in the following way, we find that a Kayan Gadol who loses a close relative and becomes an Oinein, it becomes an Oinein, meaning it's not yet the Avelos, it's not time yet, for the, the mace has not been buried yet, it's the period of time between the death and the burial, called Aninus. That's the time of the most pain for a person, the Aninus. Mesei Mutalafanov. So a Kayingadol, the Halacha is Mishamish Oinein. Even if he's an Oinein, he serves in the base Hamigdash. Why, says Rib Shner? Because a Kayingadol is not a private person. A Kayin Gadol is a communal person. He belongs to the Tzibor. He's not a private person. And not only that, says Reb Shner, it's not only that he has to continue his work for the community by serving in the Beis HaMikdash. Even his thoughts are not his own. Because when you serve in the Beis HaMikdash, you have to serve B'Simcha. A person's machshavis, let's say the Kayin Gadol is going to go through the motions, but his mind's going to be with his dead relative. That's not going to work. You have to be B'Simcha. See, even his emotions and his thoughts don't belong to him. He has to overcome his private emotions and tsar and be besimcha serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Sibur. Says Reb Shner, the same thing was Reb Chaim Oizer. And Reb Shner said it was a pelagadol, because Reb Chaim Oizer was a very emotional person in Inyanim of Bein Adam When it came to other people's sar and other people's feelings, he was very emotional. And yet... Over here, he pushed away his emotions to take care of the klal, to make sure that the tshuvas are written, that no one has to wait. It's the kain gadol being mishamish oinen. That's Reb Shner Kotler, Zechrein Levracha, explained Reb Chaim Oizer's anhaga. Reb Chaim Oizer's house was, all, was always full of people. It was an open house. You walked in, there was always a tumult. People were surrounding him from all sides. People were talking him and learning. People wanted eitzes, private things, communal things. And each one of them, he answered b'savlonus. My shver, Rav Kreisberg, Zalzan Gesundten Stark, the Rashiva of Teres Chaim of Yishalayim told me, B'Shem his father, Reb Chaim Kreisberg, who saw Reb Chaim Meiser, spoke to Reb Chaim Meiser, that every person felt as Reb Chaim Meiser cared only about him. You had his full attention, his full care, his full everything. You felt that there's no one else in the world but to Reb Chaim Meiser but you. And everyone felt that way. Everyone felt that way. He was a goyin in being able to do that. Reb Chaim Oizer became so big that he was offered the Rabbonis in St. Petersburg, in Petersburg, from the biggest Rabbonis in, in, in Russia, in the whole area. It was a rich city of Balabatim, and um, that's where the, the capital city of Russia, of Russia was. And um, they offered him the Rabbonis, and there was a lot of money involved. And he said, no, he's not interested. He wants to say in a Makam Taira, any Daryl of a Makam Taira. Vilna is a Makam of Taira. There's not a lot of money there, but there's Taira, and he wants to stay there. Al-Takara Satayv, the Vilna community, decided that they're going to offer him the Rabbonus of Vilna. Vilna did not have a Rav for 150 years. 
For 150 years, there was no Rav of Vilna. There were Rabbanim in Vilna, there were Dayanim in Vilna, but there was no Rav of Vilna. There was a whole story 150 years earlier with a Rav, and, 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 and uh, I remember all the details of the story. It had a lot to do with putting family members into positions, and things like that, that they made a Takana, or they made an agreement that they're not going to have a Rav of the city. But Al-Takaris HaTayv, the Rebchaim stayed and didn't go to Petersburg, to Petersburg. They decided that they're going to reenact the Rabbanus and offer it to him. Rebchaim appreciated but he said that he's not, he doesn't want to break the Minig. He doesn't want to be pirates gather. Lemaise, a few years later, Rebchaim had Harata for his decision. Because when the Russians, uh, when the, um, the Polish government made a decree that every city has to have a chief rabbi, so it made a lot of problems because the left... Um, and the Moderna and the and the Freya wanted to put in their own Rabbanim. And they said, they have the chief rabbi. And uh, the, the, the Frumma said, what do you mean? Everyone recognizes Reb Chaim Oizer. So if he would have been the Rav of Vilna, there wouldn't have been a problem. So he said later on that, that uh, he regretted his decision because a lot of Chil Hashem and Chil Kavad Taira came out. But at the time, the decision was correct that um, not, to take, not to take the Rabbanis. In 1909, there was a big asif on Vilna to um, decide about the the Yiddishkeit, the Russian, the uh, Russian, uh, uh, the state of of Yiddishkeit in the whole area in Russia. And um, it was interesting. All of this is the first time they had like a big convention of all types, all all, all facets of Klai Yisrael. It was the Gedolim of the Chesidim, the Gedolim of the Misnagdim, all came together in an unbelievable achtos to be Mechazik Torah in Klai Yisrael. At that time, um, the um, Reb Chaim was chosen to be like the Nasi of the Asifa, the organizer of it, the head of it, and they gave him a lot of covered there, even though there were much older Rabbanim over there as as well, and 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 and, and rabbis. However, they gave him covered. About a year later was the big Asifa in Petersburg, in Petersburg. It lasted about six weeks. A lot of stories from that Asifa in Petersburg. And also over there, Reb Chaim Moses' covered only became greater as a person who was able to run Kla Yisrael. In 1912 was the famous first uh, Knesio Gedoyla of Agudis Yisrael in Katowice in Poland, where they, they were Miyasid Agudis Yisrael and um, when Rechaim Moise was there, as being one of those who were Miyasid Agudis Yisrael so that's when really he became, his Avoida for the community became um, much, uh, much greater and not long after that, so that was in 1912, not long after that, a couple years after that was the First World War. Everyone had to flee, and he, fl- he also went into Russia. And um, eventually, when they came back after the war, a new tkufa in his life began, and it was a tkufa of Chazakas HaTerah for Kla Yisrael. Why? Many of the yeshivas during the First World War had dispersed and, and, and gone into Gullus, and some of them w- were disbanded, um, others couldn't get back to their cities. In the cities, there were a lot of isms showing up. There was a lot of, uh, of reform showing up. They were trying to get their schools going. And uh, it was hard because there was nothing established there. The yeshivas had all left. And as much as they tried to come, they needed money, they needed chizuk. And Reb Chaim Oizer took it upon himself to reestablish all these yeshivas and be mechazik Torah. This needed a tremendous amount of funds and money, and that's what he worked on. And he raised funds, sending letters to America, to Europe, and he raised a lot of funds. 
1924, together with the Chavetz Chaim, um, they made what's called the Vad HaYeshivas. The Vad HaYeshivas, the Reb Chaim ran, was this umbrella organization to help all Yeshivas, Gedailas, and Kentanas throughout Europe to be able to help them to make sure they have money. And, and gr- unbelievable amounts of money went through Reb Chaim and so much that he was like the father of all the Yeshivas of, of Europe. Reb Chaim was a, a, an unbelievable writer. He was a Safra Rabba, and uh, besides his chuvas, as we'll talk about in a moment, he also wrote a lot of letters, and there's, um, they're, they're printed, Kaivitz Igrois, Mechtavim and Igrois, of Reb Chaim Oizer. He actually was not a big orator. He didn't speak a lot. Um, when he was younger, he had some type of throat disease, which was actually hard for him to speak. So anytime he did speak, his words were very measured. But just like in his writing, he, he was able to put so much into the words, so too every word was measured and people were, were learned up things, so to speak, from his words. And, um, and uh, you know, and he was able to... Um, to, to give over so much between his writing and his and his and the limited speech that he uh, that he had. So his sefer is called Chuvas Achiezer, which he printed uh, three volumes of it. When he was young, now when he printed it, he actually said some of these chuvas are from sixty years earlier. See, he, it was a long time till he printed his chuvas. Um, so when he was young, he actually went for Askama to the Lajer of Rabbi El Yechayim Meisel's Zechrayin Levracha. And um, if you look in the Sefer, there's no Askamas in Achiezer, but he, 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 it seems he got Askama from him. So Chaim Meisel later on would say, Yaldus Haisabi, I was a little bit brazen as a young person, and I asked the Rabbi El Yechayim, I said, Lajer of, where is your Sefer? You're such a Goyin, where is your Sefer? So the, the Rebbe Yechaim told him, I have a Sefer. He says, you have a, he says, you want to see it? He says, you have a Sefer? Of course I want to see it. So he opens up his desk and he pulls out a ledger. And in that ledger was a list of all the Almanas and the Yusayimim that Rebbe Yechaim took care of. And he said, this is my Sefer. With this Sefer, I'm going to be able to come into Olam Habo. This is my Sefer. And Rebbe Chaim Oizer said later on in life, he said, when I was younger, I thought it's a bigger kunz to write a harifas de kachuva or something like that. But later on, I realized it's a much bigger kunz to take care of people, to take care of Almanis and Yesaimim. And he was really known as the Vi Almanis Yesaimim. He took care of everybody, Reb Chaim But it's interesting to see how it was, uh, it was a process in his life of coming to that hakara. And uh, this, is what, this is his story with, um, with, Reb, with Rebel Yechaim Meisels. Um... His chuvas, he was he was a pikeach. In other words, he just didn't didn't just answer the halachic way. He also understood people. He understood times. He understood society. And a lot of times, the chuvas have to do with that. For example, Rabbi Chanan said the following. Rabbi Chanan Wasserman said that two things he learned from Chaim Oizer in Hilchas Havdala. Number one, it's famous that Rabbi Chaim Oizer held that you can make a Burimari Ha'esh on a light bulb. Normally you need a fire. So if you have the old light bulbs, which had a filament in them, Reb Chaim Oizer held that it has a din of Esh, and you could recite Burimari Ha'esh on it. And he, in fact, himself, would use a light bulb for Burimari Ha'esh. Now one may ask, okay, even if it's true, but why did Reb Chaim Oizer do it? Isn't a candle better? I mean, everyone agrees a candle is fire. If you're stuck in a place and you need a light bulb, use the light bulb. 
Um, again, this is not a psak for uh, LEDs and not a psak for uh, for um, for uh, any other types of light bulbs. The old type of of light bulbs, um, fluorescence, all that is not necessarily the same. So. Um, I apologize for the banging. Uh, my my air conditioning uh, died on Shabbos, and Baruch Hashem, they're putting in a new one. Um, so, um, so Baruch Hashem said at that time, people didn't believe that a light bulb is fire. People were turning on lights on Shabbos, and they were saying it's not fire. So he says in his psak of making Baruch Hashem on the light bulb, he was showing that it's real fire, and therefore you shouldn't be Mechal Shabbos. So it wasn't just a halach and Ilchas Bar it was a halach and helping people understand Shmira Shabbos. The second thing, a Chiddush in halacha, he wasn't allowed for health reasons, he wasn't allowed to drink wine. So he used to make Havdalah and tea. So tea is what's called Chamar Medina. Chamar Medina is a chosh of a drink in society. So Havdalah, maybe Shabbos morning Kiddush, you're allowed to make uh, the brach on it. However, the problem is like this. Hot tea is, you can't drink, you, for Havdali you have to drink a Malay Lugma, a cheekful, uh, a, a majority of a Revius, like 1.6 ounces. If it's boiling hot tea, you can't drink so much, you only sip it. And you're going to sip it, it's going to take more than the time that is allotted for drinking to be considered one, one swallow. So what do you do? So Reb Chaim Eizer said, well, if you're going to let it cool off like some people do, well, then that's not called Chamar Medina. Hot tea is a chash of a drink. Cold tea is not a chash of a drink, said Reb Chaim Eizer. And therefore, even though he made Havdalah on tea, however, he drank it with a spoon. Sip by sip with a spoon, he says that's the normal way of drinking it. And even though I don't get a Maloy Lugmav in the allotted time, Again, Meloy Lugmov is also because that's the normal way of drinking. If this is the normal way of drinking, so then that's the way that you do it. Um, in, um, in, uh, in 1939, in Tishrei, so the Germans and the Russians decided to split up uh, Europe, Poland, split up Poland. And they gave Lithuania um, independence. Back to independence, they had had independence for many years. They gave an independence. And because of that, um, Rabbi Chaim Oizer invited all the yeshivas who were going to get stuck under the Russians. The Russians were, uh, were a spiritual danger. The Germans were a physical danger. Everybody should run to Vilna. Vilna is independent. And they tackle all ran there. Many, many yeshivas came there. And there were tons and tons of refugees. And Reb Chaim Eizer took everybody, took care of the refugees. Yom and 24 hours a day, he was taking care of the refugees. All the different yeshivas came there. He made sure every yeshiva remained intact. He didn't want everyone to say, we're all here, let's just become one. No. Chach Lublin, he made sure he remained Chach Lublin, even though they were ones who wanted to disband. Other yeshivas, he made sure every yeshiva remained as is. Because that's how Klai Yisrael is. And um, and there were and uh, that's uh, that's 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 he took care of the of the platim. Um, there were a lot of shverish islas that came up in that time. In that time, and um, one of the shilas that came up was there were e- exit visas that they had for people to go to America and Eretz Yisrael. And the question was, who should get them? Older rabbonim or younger rabbonim? The shail of dina nefashis. And Reb Chaim thought about it for a while, and he passed, and the older Rabbanim should get them. 
Why? Because the older Rabbanim will not only have an effect on the country that they go to, but they will also worry about us back here in Europe. I guess he wasn't. He didn't have such confidence. The younger Rabbanim felt that achrayis. So therefore, he paskin that should go to the uh, the the uh, the older Rabbanim. And in fact, when Rav Yafin left him to go to America, he told Rav Yafin, he says, I remember when I was young that they said over in the name of Chaim Velazhener, I see the Torah is Galgal America. The Torah is going to end up in America. Rav Chaim Velazhener, over 200 years ago, um, said the Torah is going to end up in America and we see it happening, said Rav Chaim Oizer. Another Shiloh that came up, one of his last Shilohs, because what happened was that in... Um, so this was in Tishrei of 1939. They got their independence in uh, 19 in 1940. I think it was um, in June of 1940. So the Russians said, "Forget it," and they um, conquered Lithuania. And Reb Chaim Eizer was broken from this because he thought this was going to be the plata. This was going to be the savior. And now the Russians, uh, less than a year later, are coming in, or a year later. Um, was a Tishrei to, to, to June. So less than a year later, are coming in and, and breaking the deal. And we know the Russians were out to make sure there was no Tyrant Kla Yisrael. So Chaim was very broken from this. And eventually, as we'll see, this was if they came in June, so he was Nifter and Av. It wasn't long after that. Um, but one of the last Shilas, Chuvas, that he wrote was to Switzerland because there was a Shila. For many years, there was no Shechita in Switzerland because they wanted them because of animal rights and pain, to stun the animal with electric, electric currents before you shecht it. And uh, Rabbi Chaim has numerous shuvas to different places, but to Germany and other places in Achiezer, Chelek Dalid, about you're not allowed to do such a thing. You can't stun the animals beforehand. It's a problem of trephus. You can't do it. And in Switzerland, for years, they didn't do shechita because of that. But they were able to get meat from other places, from France and from Denmark. But now with the Nazis uh, taking everything over, there was no there was no meat, and they wanted to know if they could take do this uh, stunning with electricity uh, before the shechita. And he answered them, and he said an unbelievable thing. And this maybe is like his parting words. He wrote that the Jews are an ancient nation, were older than all the gzeris, all the decrees that were decreed on us. Many Jewish Jew haters have left the world, and we Klai Yisrael are still kayim. He says, in this Kufa that we're living in, Chayev Limsar Hanefesh, a person has to be willing to give up his life, even just for a Takonami Derabonon, and for sure, if there's a suspicion of an Isser Deiraisa, like he felt with the, with the stunning. You can't be Mevater, you cannot give up, even an iota, you can't give anything up. And this is what he told them. He says, no, I tell him, so you won't have meat, you won't have meat. We cannot give. At this time, when there's Gzairus and Klai Yisrael, we have to stand strong. And um, just to, uh, to end off, Rev, Rev Chaim Chaikel Greenberg, Zechrein Levracha, was a Rav in a shtetl, Kenna, was near Vilna. When he became a Rav, he went to Rav Chaim Oiz, and he says, what's the purpose, what's the job of a Rav? And he asked him, what do you think the job of a Rav is? So he says, I think the job of a Rav is to make sure there's Torah and there's schools. So he said to him, you're right, but a Rav has to remember that he's not only Achroi for the spiritual um, health of his city. He also has to take care of their physical needs. He has to take care of their Aniyim and the Yisoyimim and the Almanus. And then he added a third thing and he said, and it's usher for a Rav to forget 
that part of his Rabbanis is to learn Bahasmada, to learn with Hasmada. Why? Because when a Rav learns with Hasmada, it has an effect on the entire city who want to be like him. They look up to him, they want to be like him. So as much as you have to take care of the Ruchnias and the Gashmias, part of a Rav's job is to learn Bahasmada. That's who Reb Chaim Moiser was. Reb Chaim Moiser was a person who learned Bahasmada, took care of the world, took care of Kla Yisrael, he took care of every Yosem, every Almona, every individual. He had room in his heart for everybody. He had room in his mind for everybody. This Reb Chaim Moiser was. A few months before his Petira, his brother was Nifter, his brother was a Rosh Hashiva in Vilna, and then Reb Chaim Moiser was Nifter on Hey Menachem Av. This was a big clap to Klai Yisrael because earlier Reb Shimon Shkup had been Nifter within the year. Reb Baruch Bar Leibowitz had been Nifter. And now the third Gadol was Reb Chaim Moiser. And after this, 1941, 1940, 1941, this is when the war continued. The Germans afterwards, um, again, June of 40 was the Russians in June of 41. The Germans came into Lithuania and uh, terrible, terrible as we know, calamities for Klal Yisrael after those three G'daylem were nifter. Chaim was buried in the old cemetery in Vilna. Um, later on, much after the war, the Russians were there and the Russians um, destroyed many, many cemeteries throughout Europe where they came into and Kvarim had to be moved. And Reb Chaim together with his wife and his daughter and his brother, their kvarim were moved to the new cemetery in Vilna. I was able to be there twice, last year and, and four years ago. And, um, and they are there in the new cemetery. It's interesting, when Rukhaim Meizu was asked in his times about moving the Vilna Goyim to Eretz Yisrael, and he wasn't for it. He said, because if the, if the Goyim see that we move uh, only our Rabbanim, the Chashiva ones, they'll think that everybody else is nothing and they'll start destroying Beis HaKvarasin. But it's interesting, at the end, it turned out that the Vilna Gain was moved to the new cemetery. Chaim was moved to the new cemetery because the communist Taka destroyed the old cemetery of Vilna. So it's just an interesting tidbit about moving the Kvarim of the Vilna Gain and himself. And that is Reb Chaim Meizer, whose 80th yard site was on Sunday, Hey Menachemov, Schusa Yagen Aleinu, Valkal Yisrael. Hope you enjoyed the year from two years ago on Reb Chaim Meizer. I just want to make a Hisafa based on something that I said from the Achiezer, from Reb Chaim Meizer's preface to his Chuvas of Achiezer. I was talking about the Kino of Shalis Rufa Voesh that the Marame Rutenberg composed when 24 wagon loads of Shas, handwritten, this is before the printing press, handwritten, many of them had notes from the Baliat were burned in the square in Paris in front of Notre Dame after a debate by Rabbi Chilmi Paris and other of the Baliat about a year or two before that, and they were burnt. And the Marama Rutenberg was a witness to this, and he wrote that Kino Shali Sufovaish, he asks in it, is there a reason that this Tairu is born burnt? Is there a new Taira that will be given by the Rabbi Shalilam? Is there a new Taira? And after that, as we said in the Shia on the Marami Rutenberg, he left France, and really that was the end of the Tkuf of the Baliat Taisvis in France. I think Rabbi Chimi Paris, if I remember correctly, went to Israel, and the Maram went back to Germany, to Rutenberg, and the Baliat Taisvis continued um, over there. I mentioned on that Kina 
a word that we've said many times from the Biskarov's son, Reb Chaim, Zechreinu Levracha. The, the Mishnah in Taina says that on Chevaser Betamas, one of the five things that happens was Sarov Apoistemis Harosha Satira. That Apoistemis the Rasha burnt the Taira. Zokter Chaim Salavechik, the son of the Biskarov, he told this to Revelbu Chechik in, in, uh, on, on Lel Shivaser Betamas one year. And he said to him, Nora Narish guy, only a foolish guy can main in, could believe that he could burn the Taira. What do I mean, he says? He says, This Apoistimus burnt the Taira, thinking he's destroying Taira. Came along Rabbeinu Akadish Rabbi, and he wrote in the Mishnah, Saraf Apoistimus Harasha Es Hataira. And a Yid who reads those five words in the Mishnah is Mikayim five mitzvahs of Limar Atayra. And if he has it over, it's another five mitzvahs of Limar Atayra. He thought he was burning Taira. From burning Taira, it only creates more Taira. Shali Srufa the Taira Rahman al was burnt. But more Taira emerged from that. The Taira of Germany, the Taira that continued into Poland and all of our Taira today are from the Meram Merutenberg and his Talmidim, Minhage Ashkenaz, all from Meram Merutenberg, and his Talmud the Rosh, and the Maril followed afterwards, um, followed afterwards with Minhagim. These are all our Minhagim that the Ramah based them on. From what? From Brennan Taira. From burning Taira, only Narish Agayim think you could burn Taira. Burning Taira creates more Taira. So I said, if you look in the Hakdamat HaChiezer, it's a Meridik Hakdamat, it's Kedai to see inside, it's not very long. And he says that, I'm going, he starts off, he says, that people might have the following thought in their mind, Is this the time? Now he's writing this in Tafresh Pei Beis in Vilna, 1922, was right after the end of the First World War, a year or two after, a couple of years after then the First World War. It was a time of tumult. It was a time of uncertainty. And he says, is this the time to start printing Svarim? Haloi Yisrael HaShoyal. The Jew asked such a question. Am Yisrael Tevea B'yom Shal Dmois Vatem Oimrim Shira. Kla Yisrael is drowning in tears. And you're saying Shira, you're writing a Sefer? He says, our destruction, our destroyers, our mibayis and mibachutz, they're coming to undermine Yisaitis HaTayra. They're coming with all types of bombs to uproot the entire and to destroy and, uh, and to blow up, he says, the entire basis of the whole castle, the bira of Tayra, is now the time to come and decorate with Tzitzim Uprachim, if the foundations of Torah are coming to be destroyed, now is the time you put little flowers and you put all fancy things on it. Heichel Hashem kulay boyer baish. The Heichel of Hashem is burning in fire. The flame is taking hold of the Aron HaKadosh. The Luchas and the Gevilim are mishukayim baish. And your misasek Bikishut Prochemed? This he says is the question people may ask me. Ulamze Koyach Israel Saba Zokter Bchaim Oizer, a message for Kla Israel forever. And this is the Kayach of Kla Israel Bukhalat Dairois of Khalat Kufis Vazmanim, even Kishekherev Khadamunachas al Tsavarov, even when the sword is on our neck, Tairas Hashem Oisashua of Kalayim. The Tairas Hashem is what we enjoy. Even Baisa Khurban.
where our entire nation is besakana. He's not even talking about the Holocaust. He's talking about after the First World War. And he says, this is even in Jairus, earlier Jairus, in the times of Churban Beis Hamigdash, when we were, who knows if we would survive, and the Tztukim were making trouble. The Prushim never stopped learning Torah. Yavna v'chachameha. These were the Amud Ha'anon for Kla Yisrael. And through them, we have the Kabbalah, Rabbi Seinu Shabbat Yisrael. We have the Talmud, we have the Mishnah, we have the Gemara, so on and so forth. Wherever Kla Yisrael went with us, the Halei went with us. And from Golus Yisrael Meyarzai, we have not stopped the Shalshelis Hatayra, Ga'inim, Paiskim, Rishainim, Achroinim, even Bimeashmad, Gzeris, Radifas, Tiltulim. Bimesiris Nefesh, Kla Yisrael, always was building and learning Torah. This Limur Atera was the Sam HaChayim for those people. Ha'amaka, going in depth, Rabbis Bedarche Alimur, Limkar Mayim Chayim. This is what is our lifeline. And if anything, the Torah is a tris, Befea Peronius. It is the shield in front of the Peronius. It blocks us from all that's coming our way. The Torah is the Marsh and Machzirin Lemutov. That's what's Mechazikos. And he continues, it's Kedai to see inside the beautiful way he writes it. But that's the aside. Torah is being burnt. Kala Yisrael is being burnt. But what do we do? Torah is never burnt. It creates more Torah. They come and try to burn the Torah. We make more Torah. More Torah and more Torah. And Isra Zalman in Evan Ozil, Nakdama Tukajim, says a very similar word in his time about putting out a Sefer on the Rambam in a time like now. Now's the time. Amkus HaTorah. From Brennan Torah, we create more Torah. Nor Narish think that they could burn the Torah and they could get rid of Klai Yisrael. They try to get rid of us, but Adarabba, you it only creates more Torah and more Torah. Those are the words of Reb Chaim Oizer, and that's something that we have to remember. No matter what's going around, on around us, whether Chas V'Shalom it's a Shas HaSakana, Shas Churban, but there's also a concept of Shas HaShalva. Moshe Rabbeinu saw Klai Yisrael B'Shalva, and still he said Eicha, because sometimes when a person is B'Shalva, he slackens off. And he says, okay, I don't have to be so strong, I don't have to be so into it. No matter what's going on in Galus, Galus Kala Yisrael needs one thing. Our Kiyom in Galus, no matter what's going on, whether it's a Shash Shalva Baruch Hashem, or Chas V'Sholem Achilu Cherev Chada Munachas Al Tzavarom the entire Kala Yisrael is in danger of being blown up, of being burnt Shalis Rufa Vaish. But what does Kala Yisrael do? We just create more Torah and more Torah. And that's the Avoidah of a Shabbos Nachamu, that's Avoidah of a Tishabov, of a Noch Tishabov, to remember, after we talked about so much Churban, with all that Churban, what kept Kla Yisrael as Kla Yisrael? Why are we here today? How are we here today after all that Churban? One thing and one thing only, the Kayach HaTayra, Shusay of Reb Chaim and all the G'day Le'aylam, Yogin Aleinu Va'akal Yisrael, Kaltu of everyone.